In this new episode of the Digital Tourism Show, we have the pleasure of speaking with Neil Lapping from Max Adventure. Now, Neil has grown his business from the back of an IKEA desk in his bedroom to now employing 90 staff across three different destinations around the world. Now, Neil will be discussing how he has grown his business over the last 10 years, but also gives some startling revelations about how Brexit has affected his business, including this. Yeah, in the last two months, it's cost us one and a half million quid of sales. That wow. In two months. This is not a video you, you want to miss. I'm good. Before you think I'm a reprobate, it's non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> so it's like drinking water, just with more calories. Oh, but you, you supplied the beer, and it's in your offices. I think it's allowed. It's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, thank you very much for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Um, I've known Neil for what ten years. Probably, I think we're one of our very first clients. I think when you came into a little tiny little room that we had. You and you and Tom you and, and, and Tom. in a. In a you were like in the top floor of some chambers, which is like hot as hell in summer. Yeah. And there were the two of you like sitting opposite each other, like, um, yeah. And uh, I think it was like me and my dog who came in to kind of, um, yeah, yeah, you were the first professionally built website. Before that, one of my intros when I kind of induct new employees is showing like, that are like way back when, and oh my God, I mean, the, <laughs> The first like website was just beyond belief bad. It was built at my. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I, I call. I keep getting these talks called from the kitchen table. I lived in a one, one bedroom flat in Scotland. If anyone knows one bedroom flats in Scotland, there's not space for a kitchen yeah. table. There was like I'd been to. I was so poor at the time. I didn't even have a car, and um, so I'd been to IKEA on the bus to buy a desk. <laughs> Okay, so it was fine on the way there, and you had to change in Partick at the station, and it was fine. But on the way home, like loading, I got a, like a certain look from the bus driver, getting on the bus outside IKEA. You know where Dobie's is now, and uh, like leveraging this like desk back on the IKEA. I think you know, I'm sure it happens, but uh, you know, changing for someone who just arrived in Glasgow, changing buses in. Um, in Partick, at Partick subway station was an interesting experience. So, yeah, it was good. And yeah, built my own website. And then you guys, I think, I can't remember, two, you know, maybe three or four years in. Mm -hmm. So it's probably longer, about 10 years, probably a bit yeah. longer. So I don't know, how long have you been in business? 11 years, so it's okay. around about that it's sort about of thing. Yeah. Two so weeks after you started. Two weeks after you started, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, Neil was the one that got us into tourism, so I have to thank you for that. So there we go. So, no, I appreciate you doing this. So my, my first question is literally going to be, what was the catalyst for starting Max Adventure? What got you into this industry in the first place? You want the long or the short answer? We've got 30 minutes. Oh, we've got 30 minutes? Oh, bloody hell. You Not for that, that one question, yeah. mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was all carefully planned. You know, it was like me and Elon Musk. I woke up and I was like, I'm going to go and you know, take people around trips in Scotland. Um, it was total coincidence. So... Um, as you can hear from my broad Glasgow accent, I grew up just across the road uh, in this lovely place called Cape Town, South Africa. And uh, I studied business in Cape Town. And let's just say that I spent far more time on Clifton Fourth Beach than I did anywhere near a lecture theatre. <laughs> surprise, surprise, you know, you know, Morgan Stanley weren't like lining up to give me a job when I finished. And I ended up in London. Long story short, mother bought me a one-way ticket to London and said, bugger off. And uh, <laughs> so 
I turned up in, uh, in London and I lasted three months as an assistant accountant and, you know, almost shot myself. I still, every time I get any other photocopiers, I get slightly scared <laughs> and I break out and sweat. And I saw this job advertised as a sailing instructor in the Mediterranean. And I thought, oh, I can do that. Never taught anyone to sail in my life. Had done a lot of sailing and I blagged it. I bought a book um, and, like, taught myself how to sail dinghies again. And that's pretty much the story of Max Adventures, blagging it. Um, but anyway, I, I did four years of working for a UK tour, tour operator called Mark Warner. They run summer beach holidays for families and winter ski trips. Um, and used to go back to Cape Town to go windsurfing and kite surfing in the winters and then back to a succession of horrible jobs. And uh, yeah, I did that for four years. And eventually I decided I was too old for it. I don't know why. But uh, you know, I think my liver was giving up at the age of 27. And I ended up, and uh, then I got snared by a Scottish woman who dragged me back to Alapool uh, and said, come and come to the highlands of Scotland and it'll be lovely. And I turned up in early November in, um, in Scotland. And, you know, I'd been in Greece for six months, seven months at that stage. It hadn't rained. Like, I don't think I'd seen a cloud. And I, you know, crossed, we drove up, and I, I crossed into the Scotland, and it was filled with water, and it was beautiful, and it was, you know, turning brown at that time of year, but I was just blown away. My, my great-grandfather actually grew up in Govan. Surprise, surprise. I'd gone to a Scottish school, worn the kilt, all this kind of stuff, but anyway. And I was blown away by the landscape, people. I'd lived in the south of England a lot. You know, I think we have this multi-layered destination in Scotland. It's not just the people, it's not just the scenery, it's the culture and the story and the, you know, like a good film. It all weaves together and it catches people like me and this and beautiful woman and it catches you. And then suddenly you're like, oh bugger, I live here and it rains all the time. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I, um, I ended up in Alapool and uh, went travelling. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, you know, you, you are a foreigner. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I ended up in, in, in Scotland, did a year's traveling in Australia and New Zealand, went back into Alapool, completely broke. I work, worked in the Seaforth Inn during the night and the outdoor shop at, during the day to try and pay back. I think I had like a 10 grand credit card bill at that stage from traveling in Australia and New Zealand. And I thought it would be a great idea to set. You know, I think what struck me is we have this great destination, and you know, it really struck me during Karen's presentation where we market ourselves as an outdoor destination, but the vast majority of people see the Highland, Highlands through the window, the rain-covered window of a tour bus or a hire car. And I'd had this great experience. I'd been sailing in Scotland, hiking, uh, Loads of out climbing, all those kind of stuff. And I was like, it's amazing. And then I had the same experience in New Zealand traveling there. And I was like, wow, you know, that's what made it special with New Zealand. And I think as someone alluded to, New Zealand really connects you super well. Every hotel you stay in, you walk in the door, they say, okay, what activity am I booking for you tomorrow? And you go like, oh, oh, oh well, I'll go canoeing or white water. And you're like, oh. oh. And they had this awesome time. So, you know, and that's why I had a 10 grand credit card bill, because I'd said yes to everything. <laughs> uh, so I was, um, I was like, you know, well, I have no money, no experience. Uh, let's um, set up. Uh, and I think also, you know, at the time I was 27, and I was looking at um, the 
Shearing's holiday buses or the things were stopping in the car park and right behind them was stopping the you know, backpacker-aimed tour bus. And I was like, you know, and, and they were having the same experience, which could have been so much richer. So I had this idea. I was like, oh, they can do it in New Zealand. They can do it in Australia. You know, why is no one doing it in Scotland? You know, with beautiful naivety, I was like, this is going to be so easy. You know, built my own website. By this time, I'd moved to Glasgow because the beautiful woman in, in Alapool didn't like me anymore. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure you can understand why. But anyway, so um, Glasgow women were more kind of, you know, tuned to my, um, you know, my, my sense of humor. And uh, so I ended up in, in, Scotland, in Glasgow, and I had this idea, and I literally started with this idea, we're going to run guided trips on the West Highland Way, Great Glen Way, and some weekend trips into the Highlands. And it was really driven, and it still is, it's driven, people by, driven by people, connecting people with authentic, interesting, like transformative experiences. You know, if you climb Ben Nevis, and you've never been up a mountain, and it's middle of February, and it's blowing a gale, and it's minus 30, that moment will stick with you. You know, that is what you remember. And it's the same... You know, when we're taking people, you know, walking the 700 kilometers of the Camino de Santiago or um, things like that, it's just to connect people. Because as soon as they, you do that, the destination comes alive for people. People are like, oh, wow, this is what I'm here for. This is what life's about. And it doesn't have to be active-based. It could be a great meal, a great service experience, a, a, you know, a really authentic um, host in a, in a small B&B or inn. You know, that's the piece the kind of little secret ingredient, that, that um, thing. And I was, you know, dumb luck. The first trip we did was the West Tunnel Way, which is one of the best walks in the world. So, um, you know, there was, there was certainly an, an element of luck. But, you know, that's where the idea came from. And, and it, it's very much still a driving thing. So I told you I could talk, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, that's, uh, I had Alex Bainbridge last time. So, <laughs> oh, right. uh, so as I alluded to earlier, um, you've grown from your little, behind your little Ikea desk all the way to now in this amazing office, I'm still envious about this office, um, with employ 90 people, and you've done that in a relatively short space of time in terms of business uh, sort of time. What would you say was the key drivers to, to that success? And what, in terms of marketing, what, what do you think helped to, make you, to build your business that quickly? It's my personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's why I drink non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> um, Okay, so in all seriousness, um, I started my business in 2003 when digital marketing was just coming out. out. So previously, to get as a, you know, as a tour operator, you need to publish a brochure, uh, put an ad in the back of the Sunday Times, someone phoned up, you sent them the brochure, you know, massive high in infrastructure. And whereas I could come in, you know, buy a copy of Dreamweaver, make a website, and, um, you know, could market to the same people. So... You know, we are complete, our growth, so, so Chris alluded to our growth, um, to give you an idea in terms of numbers, um, six years ago we were doing 5,000 customers, this year we'll do about 40,000 customers, most of them on 10 days, so that's like 400,000 bed nights a year, um, to give you an idea of the kind of scale of the business. Um, we have customers from about 50 countries, our main markets being the UK, um, the States, uh, Germany, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Um, but lots of things. So at the heart of that kind of rapid growth, uh, you know, wouldn't exist without um, digital marketing. Um, and I'll stroke your ego, Chris. It was, you know, it was that first website you made for us. <laughs> you're not in that business anymore, so yeah. you, you, yeah. everyone else has missed that boat. Uh, so, 
It's, um, there are kind of a, a couple of things. To me, digital marketing is quite easy. The first is you've got to get people onto your um, site. Okay? So how do we do that? And you know, we still spend a vast amount of money on Google AdWords. So we predominantly, that's still our predominant route to market is paid search. Um, and why is paid search so powerful? Because at the exact moment, someone stum stumbles out of the Ben Nevis Inn, around the corner, with their mates, and said, oh, we've got to do something. There's, you know, boys, you've got to do something. They type it into their phone, you know, and the West, they want, oh, let's do the West Hunter way. It'll be a great idea. You know, fantastic. We, we're from Glasgow. We'll do it in four days, you know. <laughs> Anyone less than that is a wuss. Right, West Hunter way, four days. At that exact moment when they're half cut, they've drunk half of you know, the, the Brooklyn stock of Ben Everson, you know, we can advertise to them that at it, that exact moment. And that's where still, I can't remember the exact figures right now, I don't deal with it anymore, but a vast amount of our traffic comes from in terms of getting people to our website. And I guess we recently employed an in-house paid search person, and he had never seen an AdWords account older than ours, okay? Who does your paid search in here? So, who was your paid search guy? Oh, he's left, okay. But I mean, he literally walked in, he's like, I've never seen a paid search history that went back to 2003. So, you know, for anyone building a tourist business, the first is getting people to your site. So paid search is still our predominant thing. You know, there's organic, there's content, there's all the other layers, but paid search, if we did nothing else, we'd just be paid. Um, so the easy part is getting them to your site. The second part, um, was around is, is fundamentally around building trust. So for me, um, you know, traditionally, we, he was talking about taking everyone to McDonald's. You know, that McDonald's relies on that brand, whereas in a digital space, you've got to create um, trust other ways because it's so easy to create a website. So the predominant way um, we created um, trust early on was being, well, Early on, it was being completely transparent. So we still have our entire team on the website. We still have you know, our contact details, my name. You know, people can email me if they want. But, so we did like, very transparent in like, people behind the brand. The second is like, we shared loads of information. So one of the small things we did is like, we sell packages. The most expensive part of the package is hotels. And most people in tour operators are like, oh, we're not going to put the hotel on the website. I'm like, well. What are you selling then? You know, you've got to put, you've got to be transparent. You know, that's what you're getting for your money. I'm not going to book something if I don't know where I'm blooming staying. Um, and all the guys were like, oh, you can't put the hotel on. You know, guys will just book it direct. Yeah, of course people will book it direct. But, you know, if we, you know, if 90% book direct and 10% book with us, happy days. So we were very transparent. We added loads of content. So that might have been hotels. But, you know, we have thousands of blog content, you know, pieces now across a wide range. And normally when we launch a new project, a product, that's the most difficult thing, is creating the content around it that builds credibility. And the most, you know, the, if, you know, the, the one thing that I did that, that um, changed more than anything else is we started using reviews on the website. Um, so, you know, in 2009, so what, 10 years ago, we invested in a platform, it's changed its name multiple times, now it's called Power Reviews, that we use FIFO, because the second most searched kind of term after our name, which is Max Adventure, is Max Adventure Reviews. Um, so the first thing, you know, someone from California or, you know, finds us, they want to walk to West Ham, they want to walk to Scotland. The first thing they do, they look nice. The second thing they do is Google Max Adventure Reviews. 
And we own that experience. So on the product level, we have five or 6,000 reviews built over 10 years. You know, our competitors, we sell the West Tunnel Way. And I think at last count, we have close to 900 individual trip reviews on that thing. Average, you know, 850, you know, almost 95% say it was well organized and it was great fun and thing. Lots of people th also say it was exhausting, but hey ho, you know, you, you signed up for it. Um, but it's very transparent, and that immediately increased our conversion rate by 60%. So, and you know, we then have, you know, we'll own the Facebook reviews, we have FIFO, we respond to. So we've got these thousands. So basically, if you search on Max Adventure reviews, the whole first page essentially is we own, yes, and they are negative ones, and they are problems and issues and stuff like that. But um, the, 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 uh, we responded to them instead of going off to drive. I'm trying to book a holiday at the moment, okay? And there were these companies, big companies, and they, they had zero reviews. So I booked with the people who had like 500 on Trustpilot, you know, the same service. Yeah. So, so that was the, the so reviews was a big thing, you know, building trust. And then the beauty of it, and this is why it's so easy, is as soon as you increase your conversion rate, so if you increase, you know, of the, you know, by 50%, so 50% more people booked with us, um, you get, it means that the money you're bidding for the paid search is more, uh, your return, your cost per acquisition goes down by 50%. So then you can afford to bid more than all your competitors because you're converting them better. Then you have more customers who leave more reviews and happy days, you know, and suddenly you just like have this kind of virtuous circle that um, makes a huge difference. Um, so that's the core of what we do. The other thing we've done um, is we constantly in increase our product range. So we started off with three trips in Scotland. We now, I wish we only had 450 trips. We, ha we have about 550, no. but we actually have about 750 variations. Oof. So, like, you can walk the West Highland Way in five days, six days, seven days. You can walk the best of Mont Blanc. You can... So, this, um, we also tap into the... You know, it's not just us. We're riding a wave. You know, people are moving towards experiential tourism, um, active tourism. But most importantly, in our sector, which is active tourism, they're looking uh, to do it independently, whereas 15 years ago, you did it in a group. You know, if you wanted to hike Tour de Mont Blanc, you signed up for a group. There were 15 of you around the table. There's always one. <laughs> There's always one, and you're spending your holiday with him. So it's generally a bloke, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, you want to go walking with your own mates. You know, you, don't, you want to go with the people you like. And so that's, you know, one of the key things. We, we tapped into this trend, you know, low-cost flights, you know, customization, any trip we can, we can change. So that's the kind of the product side of things, you know, growing the product range. Um, and then obviously, uh, the other thing that I would say is if anyone sells to an international market, you really need to look at um, the customers are vastly different. So we have more customers from the US and Canada than we do from the UK. You know, so, um, and not, most of them are not going to Scotland, they're going to Italy and stuff like that. Um, so they... You have to think, you know, just the small things that, you know, Chris and his agency helped with was things like we started selling in U.S. dollars immediately much easier. We had a U.S. phone number 
um, um, Jeff, you asked me how do we deal with them. We have an office, in, we now have an office in Colorado. So you know the, the guys are yes, everyone's left here, but I have a sales team working in Boulder who are speaking to our customers. So you've got to, if you're serious about building a, a business, you've got to think of just the small things. Sell in U.S. dollars. It's super easy now, um, or Canadian or Australian, wherever your market is, or you know um, things like that. So there was those kind of things of thinking. We've got this website. Let's build trust. You know, as soon as I go and land on a website and they expect me to pay in euros, the trust comes down. So that's, a, that's the kind of secret sauce. Uh, off we all go, hey? Yeah. Is, that, is, that, <laughs> is that why you, you expanded uh, internationally? Was it just purely for growth of the business? No, is that, that one of the reasons why you did it? No, and if there was, what was the sort of challenges that you had with that and the benefits that came with it? Um, so the three main reasons. So our first business we opened was in Germany in 2015, so three and a half years ago. And um, we um, started with two people in a co-working space. We now have a team of 20, uh, and it turns over um, about 5 million this year uh, from, again, a kitchen table. Um, it was Alex's kitchen table this time, but we sat <laughs> in a flat, and, and we kind of did that. So the, there's three main reasons we, we expand internationally. The first is to serve our customers better. And because my German's pretty bad. You, know, you, don't, you don't, don't want to have me on the phone selling you a holiday. Um, and to be closer, to really understand the customer. So we don't sell the same trip to every market. So for example, you know, the, the trips we sell to the UK and the German market are quite different, and they're very different to the US market. So to serve the customer better and be closer to them and understand them, and also to get our distri direct distribution. So we used to sell through tour operators a lot. The problem is, you know, we'd have these like 150 trips in Scotland, and we'd have a tour operator in Germany, and they'd say, oh, we'll take two. And I was like, you know, we've got these other, you know, 20 great trips. No, we'll take two. And that, we couldn't, um, you know, so we couldn't get any more penetration. They were sending us some business. So it's increased distribution. Um, and then also to um, think about, to control our um, supply chain. So our business in Germany develops and builds a lot of our trips and operates a lot of our trips in Germany, Austria, you know, that part of the world. So instead of having to, you know, book up, we do book a lot in France and stuff like that from here, but instead of having to kind of book through an agent, you add a, like another layer of cost. Um, so we develop and own our own IP and product. Um, so be close to the customer um, thing. And it's also, it's a natural hedge from the business because German sales are doing fine now, so that's uh, <laughs> good. You know, things like the U.S. customers, you know, we, we work on much better margins for U.S. customers than we do for U.K. customers. Um, and there's less, you know, there's less risk, you know. Sometimes when the U.K. does badly, the U.S. does really well and, and things. So it was kind of to de-risk the business a bit. And, you know, and also, um, I'm a sucker for punishment. You know, I, I, I'd forgotten, you know, after I started the... German business 12 years after I started Max, and, I, and uh, I'm sure some of you have recently started businesses, and Jesus, it's hard work. I mean, it's <laughs> just like, <laughs> yes, it's like, it's such hard work. Even if you've done it before and stuff like that, it's like every little detail um, of like, you know, literally just finding space or, you know, the tax stuff and all the admin, and you kind of forget how hard it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also, you know, to be honest, like when Max stops growing and it's just, just like doing the same thing, you know, I'll just be on my yacht in the Caribbean. You know, I have, <laughs> I, 
I have no interest in sitting there and going like, okay, can we squeeze another 1% out of that or 1% out of that? It's, to me, like what's interesting is starting and growing businesses, building teams. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really, it's, 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 it gives me a huge amount of satisfaction, you know, when I walk into a, you know, team in Colorado that, you know, didn't exist 18 months ago. And now they're 20 people who are full of beans, have funny names, you know, have beards, wear baseball caps the whole time, you know. So, so it's like, so I'm like, okay, I'm learning again, you know. And, and I, start, I start slipping up and start saying things like, I'm just reaching out to you, Chris. And my wife goes like, what? <laughs> don't, don't speak to me like that. But, you know, so I think it's, uh, you know, that's what I really enjoy is starting and growing businesses. Um, when that stops, you know, as I say, yeah. you know, book me the flight to yeah. Antigua. So it's a lot like having, like having kids. You have the first one, and a couple of months later, you think, that oh, wasn't that bad. And then you have the next one, you go, why the hell did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's good that you do the international side of things. And that's going to bring me on to my, my next question. And I don't want to use the B words um, it's going about just now. But with the current political climate, is that going to cost, is that going to affect your business in any, do you see any sort of, Blockages in terms of how you, the businesses that you're doing? On the, the yeah, in the last two months, it's cost us one and a half million quid of sales. That, wow. In two months. You know, that's... Um, wow. We were, we were up 30% year on year to the end of the last four months of the... Um, the last four months of 2018, we were up 30% year on year, no problem. <coughs> the first week of January is fantastic. Then Teresa... You know, and her maids started playing games, and um, you know, like they, they, there was that big, um, that big, uh, you know, commons defeat. Suddenly, it was uncertain. You know, the Americans also started, um, you know, having their government shutdown, and it's just like bookings just went, and it just like went back to last year. So we were flat on what we were last year. We were the same. February started off really good as everything went quiet. Everything, but. Like, there's a, there's a travel story every single day in the paper. Every single day. I mean, on the plus side, for you, you guys who only work in Scotland, it's a pretty good time. You know, Scottish bookings and UK bookings are pretty strong. Um, we're still seeing, like, really strong, like, say, Germany into Scotland. Um, the US is trading well because they're predominantly going into Europe and the UK. It's, they're not that worried about it, you know, either way. But it's, it's Brits going to Europe. It's just like, we literally have emails every day saying, um, I'm not booking this until I know some clarity. You know, great, it looks fantastic, I won't book it. Yeah. So more people are booking basically in Scotland, maybe? Um, or holiday. just delaying, just yeah. buggering around. Because nobody, like, nobody knows what's happening with the flights in case they book something up and then all of a sudden nobody can fly out. That type of thing. Yeah. So, so it, it's having, you know, and up until like six weeks ago, I was like, oh, half, you know, it's no worries, not really affecting us. We were like showing the consistent growth curve. And then suddenly, um, you know, as it kind of dawned, you know, um, for tour operators, our big booking month really is January. You know, the, the web traffic goes through the roof on the 26th of December. And so this is when suddenly I think people were looking at it. And then day after day, you know, from reputable, the Sunday Times, of this, Abt's having to put out these stories, don't worry, you won't need a visa, you know, all that kind of stuff. So... You know, I mean, again, and it's this, for us, it's this natural hedge. You know, our German mm -hmm. business is going very, very well. Um, but, you know, it's not that strong into the UK. So I think, you know, and that's partly <laughs> why I have businesses in the three bases, is they're a bit of a hedge. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we're down in the UK, 
but we're pretty strong in the US, we're pretty strong in Germany, our other destinations are good. In, like people staying in the UK is pretty strong. Mm -hmm. So we'll be fine, but what it is, is it's just stopping us. Like we've got quite a lot of hires um, planned. So we, we were looking to add another 10 people to our business um, in the next few months, and we're just not hiring. So, so I mean, it's like first world problems. Yeah. I haven't replaced my PA. I mean, <laughs> it's like, <you> know, <laughs> so, so that's why I forgot to tell the cleaner, you guys are coming today. So, you know, but it, it is, because it just means we also haven't hired a, you know, um, trip developer, this and that, the next thing. So we just kind of, you know, we just kind of like big IT projects. We just kind of wait a little mm -hmm. bit and we see how it goes. And I think, you know, that has a knock-on effect because the trip we wanted, you know, to do in Argyle, you know, maybe we won't do this year. So I think it's, it's a bit of, and I think it's, it's interesting, but uh, it's, I'm sure the sun will come up on the 30th of um, March, but I'll be Ooh. in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Excellent. not joking. <laughs> um, so um, it's, um, yeah, it's, you know, I think, you know, very much of like you can only control your own business mm -hmm. and your own business success. Um, uh, you know, I think we'll get there in the end. Uh, but I think for all of us who enlarge discretionary kind of purchases. So, you know, if you look at houses, houses are not so discretionary, new cars, but like a holiday is normally the biggest single expenditure that people make in a year. Um, so they're quite nervous about kind of spending that money. Mm. Uh, we're definitely feeling that. And the, yeah, there's quite a lot in the kind of travel and tour offering press. It's a bit thing. Seems to be quite a lot of airlines going bust recently. Mm. I don't know, you know. So I, I don't know. It's, a, it's, a, it's probably the most challenging yeah. kind of period for us at the moment. <laughs> you know, I think um, we'll get there. We just kind of are delaying kind of thing. Uh, delaying, delaying where we invest yeah. and... But it's, um, fuck, it's... You're not the only one. I'm hearing that from a few other businesses as well. So everybody's just hedging their bets, as you say, yeah. so at the moment. I, want to, I really want to get the audience involved, so I'm going to uh, ask you one more question before I hand over. Uh, if you had to give one piece of advice about growing your business internationally, what would it be? Um, I really enjoy airports. You know, airports are good. You know, <laughs> you know, really like you know, know exactly which sandwich bar to go that you like in Schiphol. <laughs> uh, you know, what their baguette costs and things like. That. Um, I think it's um, understand your customer, in all seriousness. So you know, I spent about five or six years guiding um, uh, customers from all over the world, and I am you know, I spent a huge you know, as you can see, I'm quite good at talking. And um, I spent a huge amount of time talking to customers. So just kind of understanding, you know, what, you know, was Italy, what, you know, was walking in Tuscany interesting to them? What was important? You know, you check into the hotel and, you know, the Americans want Wi-Fi, you know, and they're all kind of... So it's, it's kind of really understanding your customer um, um, and not underestimating how much time, money, and effort it takes. It's, it's a huge, um, uh, you know, it's... it's it just, it just ugh, it's hard work, but I wouldn't do it any. It's like children. Well, hard work, but yeah. I wouldn't do it anywhere. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a misconception, and I've spoken to businesses in the past when they, they, as soon as they add a booking engine to their website, they suddenly think they're going to get lots and lots of bookings. It's just not the case. It's, they have to, as you say, work harder to do the Google AdWords and everything else. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it works to a little. It, you will get a hit. Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to you know, add some content or translate your site, you will get a, you mm -hmm. will get a, you will get a bit of a pop, um, but you won't really. Um, you know, you'll skim. Yeah. So, 
but it's not well, the end of the world. You'll, you'll grow, but not... Well, that was a good thing about your business, is, is the fact that, you know, 10 years ago or so, when, when we first met, you were one of the very f first companies out there to offer online booking. Uh, and we had this conversation with Alex and, and Peter Simon in the last Travel Masters that businesses today in Scotland, especially in Scotland, have still not got booking uh, systems on their websites, and that's 10 years on. So the fact that Neil did that so long ago, if, people, if other businesses did that that long ago, they could have had a business as good as Max Adventure, personally, I think. So you were, you were ahead of the curve. Oh, the only problem is we actually have, a, because we customise more and more, our percentage of online bookings is actually going down. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a higher, like selling the Western away is easy to buy. It's quick. It's a package of standard. You know, selling a, a you know, customised three-week walking trip around Italy is much more involved. So... Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, online booking is certainly yeah. an addition. I'm going to ask Jess to run around with the mic. Uh, if you want to raise your hand if you have any <coughs> questions for Neil. There's one over there. Thank you very much. I'll keep, I know I've been talking for a while, so I will keep my answers short now. <laughs> Neil, you mentioned something that's really relevant to like, our, our company and what we've been discussing. And it's basically how you deal with uh, inquiries, international inquiries, and you mentioned having an American number, yeah? When you're a small business, you cannot have, like, a around-the-clock, sorry, a follow-the-sun type environment or around-the-clock um, presence in your office, yeah? So, especially the American market, because they have such high expectations that you know, they pick up the phone and someone's there or they send an email and someone's there. So when you set up your first American number, I'm assuming you had no American presence. It was really just routing, you know, like back to the UK. How did you handle those inquiries, whether they were like calls or whether they were email? You know, obviously, emails are fine. We can all put, you know, an announcement. But in terms of your calls, how did you manage that? expectation from an international client that you couldn't fulfill at that time? Yeah, I think, you know, just, it's different. Um, you know, they know they're not dealing with a multinational. You know, and that's why I'm saying about being transparent. You know, if you are 10 people in your office, you know, have a picture of you all. And, you know, suddenly they go like, oh, there's this wonderful Scottish accent on the answering machine that says, you know, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And they're like, they're sold already, you know, like me and my girlfriend in other pools. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think, you know, be honest. It's just like we used to just say, you know, officers are this, that, the next thing, we'll call you back tomorrow. And it wasn't my sultry tones on the phone. So it was just being honest. And people were fine with that because there are more and more people are much more willing to, you know, book directly with local operators because there's that level of trust. And if you've built that trust where you've got the reviews or, you know, whether you create TripAdvisor reviews or whatever, you know, you can, you can build that trust. They trust you. They know you. They know who you are. Oh, great. They're dealing with a local, authentic person instead of a travel agent in, you know, Tennessee who has no idea about what they should be doing in the west coast of Scotland. So they, they, they're willing to compromise if you've built that trust and relationship through your marketing or, you know, through who you are. I think we should be proud of of who we are. We're not trying to be, you know, multinational, faceless corporations. So that's what I would, that's how we did it. And then as we, you know, we only, we've been selling a lot to the US for years. We only opened the office 18 months ago. They only started taking bookings less than 18 months ago. So, you know, it, it didn't, didn't hold us back for a long time. People love dealing with, 
you know, Brand Scotland is very strong. People like dealing with us. So, um, any more questions? We got a question in the front. Move for the mic. Thank you. Hi, Neil. Um, my name is Augusta. I'm, calling, I'm coming from Rochester in Kent. Um, I know you've had your challenges um, in terms of cost and in terms of losing money. Um, but I want you to tell me um, how your creative skills have been in terms of um, successful um, adventure in your business. Sorry, creative skills and finding creative solutions to Creative things. solutions in a way, yes. Um, yeah, I think it's one of my, you know, it's probably one of my absolute strengths is that um, I think, you know, to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to be very self-starting and learn quickly and stuff like that. You know, and I just didn't, um, I didn't have any, you know, when I started, I didn't have any money. So it's kind of, that ethos kind of got baked into the culture of the business, you know, I still, um, you know, we're still very cost conscious, you know, of just like, is there a better, cheaper, faster way of doing this? Because it's, it's very easy to get sucked into, like, I hate consultants, okay? Like, <laughs> so, so people, sorry, I hope, I'm sure there's some very good consultants as they're in the room. Um, but I think it's, it's all too easy for people to go, um, you know, come in and tell me what I should do. Whereas the actual, most of us know what to do. The difficult thing is doing it, you know. And, and I think, you know, there are some consultants who can deliver very well. And I think if you, but if you can build that knowledge with it, the problem is you then lose that knowledge outside your business as soon as they go on to the next project. So you've just got to hire the next guy. So oh, what are some examples? Um, oh, I built my own website um, first time. Um, you know, this office space... Um, you know, was done, so, so there's, there's some guys who are very, they saw our office and they engaged the same designers to do their office, which is one floor up um, and two-thirds of the size, and they spent two and a half times as much money um, on the same. You wouldn't, you could walk into the boat, you would think it was the same company. So I think it's just, you know, I'm always looking for, you know, how could we do it more effectively, because to me, that's delivering value to the customer and adding. So it means that I'm not having to charge. I can be, you know, our pricing strategy when we first started was quite aggressive. It was came in to be cheaper than everyone else. So we had to kind of drive that by finding, you know, not taking away from the quality of the accommodation or the service or things. We had to kind of take it away from that middle bit. Um, so what other creative stuff? Um, we don't use recruitment consultants. You know, it's just all these little small things. You, you know, we'd rather build our own section on our website, which is careers-based. So there's a few of the examples. But uh, does that answer your question? Yes, and just one more. Um, have you done any successful um, adventure that you know that you have a buzz to it, that you know um, this is really successful? And can you name a country or anything? Uh, my favorite adventure? Yes. Um, favorite trip? <sighs> Done a lot. My favourite trip in the world is probably the Tour de Mont Blanc in, in the walk around Mont Blanc in France, Switzerland, in Italy. Um, I just think it combines um, it combines this again some multi layered narrative. So you've got these wonderful mountain huts, you've got the kind of mountain life, you've got fantastic scenery, you've got mountain food, you've got the 
buzz of Chamonix of everyone going off. You know, I just and I did it with good friends and stuff like that. So yeah, Tour de Mont Blanc. I also know the top of Ben Nevis very well. So <laughs> 135, 130 times and counting. So you know, I know the west of Scotland really well, and and I actually I live on the West Highland Way, um, and you know, I probably bike or walk on it, you know, once a week. So you know, the, the Scotland is still where the heart of our business was. You know, I still love it. I'm going hiking next weekend. You know, so it is. Thank you very much. Anyone else got a question? No? Well, thank you so much for your time. I don't know about you guys, but I found that fascinating. I think the, what you've done over the last 10 years is phenomenal, to be honest, and it's one of the reasons why I asked you to talk. So can everyone please give a thank you for you.